Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. They're in obedience to God. Um, shortly after he's told to do that, he receives a promise that God's going to make a great nation of him. Okay, how are you going to do that? My wife's 65, I'm 75. Is it going to be Lot, maybe? He's my nephew. So they pack up Lot, who's, who's fatherless, and they, they uh, take off. Shortly thereafter, there's a famine in the land, you remember. And what does Abraham do? Goes down, common sense, somewhere where there's food. The problem is, when he approached Egypt, he realized his wife was very attractive. I mean, he knew that before, but he, it kind of dawned on me, my wife is very attractive. Even though she's 65, um, probably in our age, uh, probably 40s, in her 40s, in our, um, in our time, because they lived a lot longer. She lived to like 130. Um, so he says, you tell the leader of the, the, the Pharaoh that you're my sister. I don't, I don't want to die because of you. Wow, Abraham, good job. That's really chivalrous of you. Um, to do that. So we'll put one in the negative column there for Abraham's faith. That wasn't too, too um, trusting. So as the, as the story of Abraham goes on, chapter 13, separates from Lot, um, the promise of, of his seed will be as the dust of the earth is repeated in chapter 13, 15, 16. In chapter 14, he has this military expedition to rescue Lot, remember? Again, probably thinking, okay, my seed, it's, it's got to be Lot. My wife's barren. How's this going to work out? You know, so he's, the wheels are turning and he rescues Lot. Um, ten years elapsed, still no, still no, no seed, you know. Um, and then he lays quite a large faith egg um, by the name of Ishmael. <laughs> you know, Hagar um, has a child by him. Of course, Ishmael is uh, the father of the Arab peoples today. And talk about a major boo-boo. <laughs> um, who's been one of the greatest opponents of God's people today, it's the Arabs, I mean, for centuries. Um, so Abraham struggling here, that's one in the negative column for Abraham as far as his faith. Thirteen more years elapsed, now we're in chapter 17. Um, the covenant is repeated, uh, elaborated on a little bit in verses 15 through 17, if you're if you're in Genesis, we can glance at that real quick. Again, where we're going here is that obeying God, taking, even if it's baby steps, of faith in the will of God is very rewarding. It's worth it. 
um, 16, or 17 rather, uh, verse 15 through 17. Um, and God said unto Abraham, As for Sarah thy wife, thou shalt not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be. Now there, Abraham's 100, Sarah's 90. Um, and I will bless her and give thee a son of her, and I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. And Abraham fell on his face and laughed. Now, do you blame him? <laughs> We've got a 60-year-old in our time age equivalent, a 60-year-old woman probably, barren. And this promise comes along. I'm going to give you a child of her. What? This doesn't make sense. This is, you've got to be kidding me. We can't really blame Abraham a whole lot there for his reaction. Um, and then in chapter 18, this is the story of the three visitors that come. One of them is the angel of the Lord, pre-incarnate Messiah, pre-incarnate Jesus. Very stunning uh, chapter there. And they repeat, he repeats the promise, Sarah shall have a son. What impossible. Um, in, this, in this chapter, chapter 18, Sarah laughs, remember? How can, how can that happen? And this is where the very famous statement by the angel of the Lord is, is anything too hard for the Lord? Okay. Chapter 19, Sodom's destroyed. Chapter 20, Abraham, his family, is, um, he's already separated from Lot, so Abraham and Sarah travel south about 30 miles um, to the land of Gerar. Again, he says, Sarah's my sister. He fears Abimelech. So again, faith is pretty, pretty negative. So if you're keeping score at home, we got five negatives and two positives as far as Abraham's faith at this point. But in, verse, in chapter 21, the Lord fulfilled his promise, visited Sarah as he said. Promises kept. Can you imagine? Can you imagine <laughs> the rejoicing um, when this miracle occurs? It's just, it is impossible. She, the manner of woman, as the King James so tastefully puts it, had left her. This is impossible. I mean, to be real biological, Sarah is no longer ovulating. This is like, what? Amazing. Promise fulfilled. Um, look at uh, chapter 22 now. Um, so promises kept. Flip over to chapter 22. They're, they're rejoicing, no doubt. They've got a, a baby, a son, a miraculous. And then in chapter 22, the fateful, the very famous chapter, um, where God then commands, we're going to look at that a little bit more in depth in a minute. But for now, I just want you to see verses 15 through 18. Again, what, we're, what, we're, what I want our attention, what I want us to walk away with tonight is Obeying God by faith, taking steps of faith, even though small, in the will of God, is worth it. It's rewarding. It's wonderful. 
verses 15 through 18. And the angel of the Lord called Abraham out of heaven the second time. This is after the whole Mount Moriah thing. We'll get back to it and look at it in more detail in a minute. But the angel of the Lord called Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, By myself I have sworn, said the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thy only son, in blessing I will bless you. In other words, I'll, I'll make it worthwhile. I, I can reward you now because of your faith, <clears throat> because you obeyed in faith. And then verse 18, And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed me. Sure, God had given these promises to Abraham way back 25 years ago that he was going to make of him a great nation, but I, I take that as contingent. Because right here it says, because he obeyed, God was going to bless. So God, because he was pleased, was able to bless Abraham. He was pleased with Abraham's faith. And that's the first, the first reason why it's, it's worth it because to, to take steps of faith because it pleases God. When we take steps of faith, when God leads us, when we're praying, we, we know there's something we should do, something that seems impossible, God's leading us, God's tucking at our hearts, God's showing us what needs to be done, whether it's areas of service that push us out of our comfort zone, or it's, it's giving issues, or it's, it's <clears throat> concerning the offering that's coming up. Um, when we respond in faith, and obey that leading in the will of God, it's very, it's very rewarding, first of all, because it pleases God. Trusting God pleases Him. I don't know how many of you dads here, moms would never do this. Dads do it all the time. And some of us are going to have to think back. Those of us that now have grandchildren may do it with our grandchildren but you put the little child up on the counter. And then what? What do you do? Some of you that have never been married to look at me with blank expressions, you have no idea. What do you do? What's fun? Put them up on the counter and you step back and what do you do? What? Well, you don't not only wait, you say, jump to daddy. And mom's over there, you know, just nervous. Said, Don't do that. It might fall, whatever. Dads love that, you know, to see them. And dad, you know what it does when they just fling themselves on you, you know. It's just nothing to fear. Dad's going to catch me. What does that do to your heart? Whew. Wow. Now, if your child stood up there in the counter, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, Daddy. I don't think you're going to catch me. I, I'm not doing it. That would be kind of hurtful, wouldn't it? <laughs> God's really the same way, is he not? He gives us commands. He urges us to obey, even though it's not comfortable, even though it's a little scary. Jump, my son, jump. I'll catch you. And a lot of times, what do we do? I, I can't. I can't do it. I'm scared. 
And what does that do to the heart of God? On the contrary, when we jump into his arms, when we obey by faith, even though it's scary, unpredictable, it pleases God. It pleases him. It warms, it warms his heart. Faith pleases God. Hebrews 11.6 But without faith, it's impossible to please God. Can't put it more bluntly than that. Previous verse, by faith, Enoch was translated, so forth and so on, because he had this testimony. What? That he pleased God. Faith pleases God because we're, we're flinging ourselves into his arms. We're trusting his word, his character, his promises. What did Jesus commend in his minister, earthly ministry? Matthew 8, the centurion's servant with palsy, palsy. Jesus said, I'll heal him. And the, the centurion said, okay, just say the word. You don't need to come to my place. Just, just say the word. I believe you. Jesus said he marveled at so great, great faith, and he was healed that hour. Jesus, seeing their faith, acted. I don't know how many times that's quoted and said in the New Testament. Thy faith hath made thee whole. How many times did Jesus say that? According to your faith, be it unto you. <coughs> Blind Bartimaeus by the roadside. Master, have mercy on me. Jesus, you know, the, the disciples, have <laughs> Don't, he's busy, he's doing stuff, he's got stuff to do, he's got places to go. Jesus stops. What do you want? Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus says, go thy way, thy persistence has paid off. Your, your boldness, because of your boldness, I'm, I'm going to act on your behalf. No, what was it? By faith. By faith. Faith pleases God when we trust him. Jesus testifies to that in his earthly ministry. It's faith that moved him to action. On the contrary, lack of faith grieves God, doesn't it? <clears throat> Matthew 14, remember, Jesus comes. They think it's a ghost it's on the Sea of Galilee. They think it's a ghost. And Peter says, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come on the water. <laughs> That's mind-boggling. Who would just jump out of the boat and walk on water? But Peter does. He's walking on the water, and what happens? He sees the waves, so forth. He begins to sink. Lord, save me! Jesus saves him. And he says, O thou of little faith, why did you doubt Trusting him pleases him, but not trusting him disappoints, grieves God. Matthew 17, the demon-possessed son came to the, the father, the demon-possessed child came to the disciples. They couldn't cast him out. Jesus said it was because of your unbelief. In Psalm 78, recounting Israel's history and God's miraculous deliverance from Egypt and his provision in the wilderness, Psalm 78 says, yet they provoked him by asking, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? In other words, I don't think, God, you can take care of us out here. <laughs> and the, the scripture puts it, they tempted God. 
What was his response? The Lord was wroth. He was wroth because they believed not in God and trusted not in his salvation. Verse 32 goes on to say, For in all this they sinned and believed not for his wondrous works. So taking that step of faith, obeying God by faith in his will, is very rewarding, first of all, because it pleases God. It earns his approval. It opens the storehouse of blessing. It's, it's, he, wants, he wants to bless us, his children, if we'll trust him, if we'll obey him, even though it may seem impossible what he's asking. It may seem, uh, make us uncomfortable to do what he's telling us to do. Master's degree um, piano recital. Didn't the Betrys just attend one up in your granddaughter um, up in uh, Chicago? I'm not sure how many people were there. 40, 50, something like that. This is a hypothetical story, but I, it's very believable. The master's degree piano recital had ended. Magnificent performance. The, the student, after holding the gathered attendees spellbound for a full 45 minutes, he struck the last chord. There was stunned silence in the audience that just spellbound by the magnificence of this master's degree uh, performance. And then suddenly erupted in a standing ovation. <clears throat> the performer, the student, the master's candidate, slowly stood to acknowledge that many began to, in the audience began to notice he wasn't smiling. In fact, he was looking kind of apprehensive kind of a concerned look on his face. What's more, he seemed to be gazing upward toward the balcony, the corner of the balcony. One after one, those applauding began to follow his gaze and see what, what, what's he doing, what's he looking at. And there they saw an elderly, elderly man, the only person still seated. Finally, the man stood, broke into a smile, nodded his head in approval, and joined the applause. It was then and only then that the young musician smiled, relaxed, clasped his hands together in joy, and, and began to bow. For, for all, all the applause in the world meant nothing to the student if his mentor, if his teacher of many years, didn't approve. And isn't that true? Shouldn't that be true in our lives? If we don't have our Savior smile, one way to make sure we have his smile is to obey in faith. If we'll do that, we'll find that it's very rewarding. It's, it's, it's worth it to step out in faith, to trust God in faith. But there's another reason that it's worth it. It not only pleases God, but it allows us to have an influence on others, to impact others, to, to, as it were, leave a legacy. When we, in the will of God, 
sensing the need to, in faith, obey, take a step, do something for the Lord that may make us uncomfortable, give an amount that may stretch us a little bit, make us a little nervous. When we're willing to do that, it's, it's very rewarding because it can have an influence on others. It can have an impact. It can have a... Um, it can uh, provide a legacy. Abraham, if, if you'll flip over to Hebrews 11, there's a commentary in Hebrews 11 about this incident with Abraham. Hebrews 11, verse 17, Hebrew, or Abraham's trust in God left a legacy, did it not? Hebrews 11, 17 through 19. By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead. From whence also he received him in a figure. A little insight possibly into the thinking of Abraham. Abraham, having received a son from someone who was way past childbearing, the miracle, the amazing fulfillment of a promise, when it all came, came down to it, caused Abraham to say, if, if God provided Isaac and now he's telling me to offer him as a sacrifice, he must have going to raise him from the dead. And in doing this, Abraham left a legacy of faith. His willingness to obey this very confusing command that certainly pushed him out of his comfort zone. He left a legacy. Scripture memorializes the legacy of faith of Abraham, doesn't it? Romans chapter 4, uh, verse 3, Abraham believed God, and it was counted as righteousness. Verse 11, the father of all them that believe. Verse 12, the faith of our father Abraham. <clears throat> verse 16, the faith of Abraham. And then flip over to Romans um, 4, and look at verse 19. And being not weak in faith, he, Abraham, considered not his own body, now dead, when he was about 100 years old, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Paul in Romans um, memorializes Abraham's faith. He does the same in Galatians 3.9. So then... They which be of faith are blessed with faithful, faithful Abraham. James, in his book, chapter 2, verse 23, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. Even our secular society, when commenting on Abraham, as in uh, Britannica.com, in answer to the question, what is Abraham best known for? 
Abraham, quote, is best known for the depth of his faith. Abraham, by stepping out by faith, doing something he knew was right, that required him trusting the promise of God, even though it was uncomfortable, even though it stretched him, even though it seemed impossible, left a legacy. What a legacy. What an example. What an impact. What legacy will we have with our children? Of course, mine are grown. You, many of us have grown, but we have grandchildren. We have spouses. We have fellow church members. Do, do you realize what an impact we have on each other when we stand up and testify? God laid it on my heart to do such and such, and I, I really, it made me nervous, and I didn't see how it was going to work out. And I just felt like I needed to do it. It was the right thing to do. And you know what? God came through, and he provided, and he met the need, and he gave me the boldness, or whatever the step of faith was. <clears throat> when God is true to his word, in our lives, and we can testify to that, it impacts other people. Um, I'm, I'm constantly impacted by Pastor Kagan's boldness in being a witness. It's an area that I, I struggle with. And he testifying to his encounters with people and, and sharing the gospel, that impacts me. Um, Charlene's not here. Many of you know Charlene. Every other Sunday, she's got somebody here that she's met in a parking lot or something and handed a track and invited them to church. Have you noticed that? I mean, that's, that's like, man, that is a challenge to me. I stand in awe of that. I'm challenged by it. And we have the opportunity by exercising faith, seeing God provide and then testifying that God's true. His promises are true. Trust him. You can have an impact on, on people in this room and people that come to this room on Sundays. And even more importantly, your children, those of you that still have children at home, grandchildren. One of the um, stories that has kind of gripped me ever since it took place um, is a story of <clears throat> Stephanie Wesco and her family. Most of you know the story. After um, 14 years of marriage, eight children, two years of deputation, in October 2018, they finally arrived in Cameroon, uh, excited to serve the Lord. Um, they loaded up Charles Jr., Back seat, Stephanie back seat, Ben Sinclair driving, Charles Sr. front seat passenger, took off to town to get some, get some supplies. <clears throat> there was some unrest in the, in the country going on, going on. Suddenly two shot, shotgun shots were heard, glass shattered next to Charles Jr. The blasts came in, hit Charles in the back of the head. His head just fell over. Um, Charles Jr. screamed, Dad's been hit.
Stephanie was soon soaked in her husband's blood. Minutes later, at the hospital, he was pronounced dead. What was her response? How could you do this? We know she's human, and those thoughts she had to deal with. But I'm just going to read a few excerpts here. Um, Charles was upright but unresponsive. I wrapped my arms around him and cried out to God like I had never done before in my life. I was soon drenched in my precious husband's blood as I screamed and begged the man I loved to live. I told him he had eight children that needed their daddy and a wife who could not live without him. I told him how sorry I was for failing him. I told him how much I loved him and begged him not to die. I heard him gasping for air as his heart kept beating and he drowned in his own blood. Psalm 23 and Psalm 121 were two passages that came to mind in those minutes. We were pleading with God for mercy. My precious son clung to me screaming and weeping begging God to save his daddy. During the hour of shock and despair, moments came when I really wondered in my mind if there was a God in heaven who ruled in the affairs of men. How could the God who had given us a complete peace and confidence that he called us to Cameroon in 2015, brought us through so many victories and trials over three years of preparation, answered innumerable prayers, now allowed this man who was completely and utterly sold out to serving his Lord and Savior, be murdered? How could he seemingly lead and guide us through his word, answer so many prayers for provision, give so many desires of the heart, and now allow every single part of our lives to fall apart? How in the world could any good come from this? Naturally understood struggle. She dreaded telling the children. They had to go back and tell the children. The sights and sounds of my precious children's hearts breaking will forever haunt me. Weeping and sobbing filled the room as the reality their daddy was gone pierced each precious heart. In those moments, the Lord brought to mind a cherished verse which I cried out in those minutes of overwhelming grief. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. Bottom line, the, the last, this was, this was written a year after his death, published in 2020. Just to summarize her last couple paragraphs, as I looked back over the previous 12 months, all I could do was marvel at the multitude of ways God worked. He truly had done exceedingly abundantly above all I could have asked or thought. He had brought so much beauty out of the terrible ashes. Had death really brought gain? Was, was the death of so many of my hopes and dreams, not to mention the martyrdom of the man I had loved, gain? If God's perfect will had been accomplished in Charles' life and death, if souls were continuing to be saved, if Christ was being lifted up and glorified, if I knew Jesus more than I ever had before, then the answer is yes. To die to dreams, goals, plans, and ambitions in order for my life to be Christ and to be walking the perfect path he had chosen for my life, then indeed, to die is gain. 
God clearly held my past and holds my present and future, and that makes living for him. She used the word exciting. I'm going to throw in there rewarding. She responded in faith. Struggle? Yes. You don't think Abraham had a struggle? Take your son. Take your son go up on that mountain. What? My little buddy? The one, the one you miraculously provided for me? We've had so much fun together these five, seven years. God, are you sure? Do what? You, you promised through him would come a nation, kings, a seed, as, as, as many as the stars. And Abraham couldn't compute that night. Had to be such turmoil for Abraham. Made no sense. Same thing, Stephanie. It made no sense. But bottom line, when we come down to it, I don't understand it, but I'm going I'm to trust you. I'm going to obey in faith. I'm going I'm to speak. I'm going to give. I'm going to take that step. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to cling to you. I'm going to stand on your promises. When we do that, we find that it's very rewarding. It's worth it. Stephanie's giving testimony to that. Unbelievable. Not only that, she is, can you imagine 16 eyeballs watching their mom, how she reacts to all this? Can you imagine the impact on those kids? I think only eternity will reveal. Is it possible that because of Stephanie's faith, trusting God through this, and, and struggling in front of her kids, but coming down to we're going to trust God, we're going to praise him anyway. Her eight kids watching that, watching the struggles, seeing the, the pits, but seeing the victories, and seeing faith winning out. Could it be that Charles's life is in, in, in his death is, is multiplying through his children a, a ministry that who, only eternity will tell what, what the, the end result will be. When we respond in faith and obedience, it's not only rewar it's rewarding because it pleases God, it's rewarding because it allows us to leave a legacy, to have an influence on other people, to have a testimony that God is true to his word and will bless, will reward if we'll trust him. And the final reason it's rewarding is because it helps lift us out of self-centered living. When we step out by faith, trust God, do something that makes us uncomfortable, what we know is right, we've got to cling on, hold on to God, you know what? It, it lifts us out of that self-centered existence. That me first mentality that my comfort is my first priority type attitude. Because that attitude leads to a life of misery. <laughs> and God knows that. Abraham exemplified that by um, being willing 
after a, a, a rough night, I'm sure struggling with the command to now offer his, his little buddy on the, on the mountain, obeyed. He submitted. He rose, verse 3 of chapter 22 says, he rose early in the morning. During that night, Abraham had to figure out, okay, who's going to be number one in my life? Is it going to be me? Or is it going to be God? That's the bottom line. During that night, he had to decide. If it's me, no way, I'm not taking my son. What are you? He's, he's my son. You gave him to me. I'm not doing that. That's ridiculous. How in the world? And you know the logic. If he was number one, his comfort, his reasoning would rule. But during that night, he had to get his priorities right, didn't he? Who was going to be number one in his life? Was it going to be God and his commands? Or was it going to be himself and his own comfort, his own reasoning? And that's the way it is with us with, with faith. When God is telling us to act, when he's urging us to take that little step of faith, that big step of faith, to speak to that person, to give that amount, to begin to tithe, whatever it is that God is dealing with you about, to step out and obey, it really comes down to who is going to be number one in our lives. It's really what it comes down to. Secular testimony um, verifies that self-centered living is not, the, is not the way to happiness. Eddie Jaku, a Holocaust survivor, authored The Happiest Man on Earth, says family and friends are the key. He says, I want to make this world a better place for all of us. We are here for all of us. So other-centered living is the key to happiness. A researcher, Martin Seligman, who studies the art and science of happiness, says using your abilities in belonging to and in the service of something larger than you are is the key to happiness. Demos Shakarian wrote The Happiest People on Earth. Who are they and what is their secret? He concluded spirit-led people are the happiest people on earth. All they're doing is echoing what Jesus said 2,000 years ago, Matthew, Matthew, uh, Mark 8.35. Whosoever will save his life, me first, what I want first, my comfort, mine. Whenever I say that, I think of Finding Nemo and the seagulls. Mine, 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 mine. Some of you have never watched that. Um, Self-centered existence. Jesus said, the way to experience life, if you'll save your life, you'll lose it. But whosoever will lose his life, for my sake and the gospels, shall find it. That's why God hits right at the heart of it in scriptures and says, tells husbands to love their wives. That strikes right at the heart of me first, me first. What I want, 
others. Wives to respect or defer, respect their husbands or defer authority to them. Children to obey and submit. Joy, Jesus, others, you. Obeying God by faith, no matter how uncomfortable it makes us, is very rewarding because it lifts us out of that me-first misery. That's what it is. Forces us to step out. Trust God. Put Him first. And it leads to exciting results. I think if we brought the widow that Elisha commanded because her sons were going to be indentured servants, she was in so much debt. If we brought her before us today and said, was it worth it to go gather those pots even though it was embarrassing to all your neighbors? Was it, was it worth it? Were you happy you did it? Was it rewarding that you obeyed Elisha and you went and got those pots and trusted God that he was going to fill the pots with the oil? I think she'd say yes. I think she'd say, it's worth it. I was scared. I didn't know it didn't make any sense. But it was worth it. What about Naaman? I think if we had Naaman here and we said, hey, Naaman, was it, was it worth it? You know, the muddy Jordan River? You know how you resisted Elisha when he said, you know, go dunk seven times in the muddy Jordan River? And you said, well, aren't there nicer rivers? Aren't you glad your servants and other people said, just do it? Just trust God. Aren't you, don't you think it was pretty rewarding when you obeyed by faith? I'm sure he would say yes. <laughs> what about the young boy on the hillside with 12, 15,000 people? He's got his little lunch. <laughs> Five loaves, two fish. Hey, uh, the, the, the master wants your lunch. My lunch? This is my lunch. <laughs> This is my lunch. What am I going to eat? If he was here and we asked him, aren't you glad you obeyed in faith and gave up your lunch? I think he'd say yes because, you know, the scripture says they all ate to the full. <laughs> he got more by giving up his lunch than he had packed for himself. They ate to the full. Obeying God by faith. Stepping out, trusting him, is very rewarding. Because it pleases God, it encourages others, it leaves a legacy, and it lifts us out of the misery of self-centered existence. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for uh, your word and the multitude of stories and examples and encouragements and promises us to live like that. Pray you give us grace, Lord, and be able to testify in, in this gathering amongst one another, and our, especially in front of our families, to see you do amazing things in keeping your word. Help us, Lord, to have the courage, the love for you, to act in faith where you're prompting us within your will. In your name we pray. Amen. Um, we're going to go ahead and just variety, as I said um, to Brother Gary's, the spice of life. That's why I like Chinese buffets, because I, I like to have a little bit of that, 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 a little bit of that. I like Chinese restaurants, because I don't want one big pile of one thing. I want a little bit of that, a little bit of that. So <coughs> variety. We're going to stay together and pray.
and just I've asked a few men to lead out, but let's share um, blessings. Do we have any any causes for rejoicing tonight? Any?